To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's going on, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have on Jaden Bales. So this is my first time connecting with Jaden, but definitely won't be my last. Uh, the guy's just an absolute wealth of knowledge and um, uh, really articulates his thoughts well and a critical thinker. And so we get into it and, and we start talking mule deer. He's a muley fanatic, similar to me. And um, he actually runs the Muley Monday podcast on the Rich Outdoors on their Patreon every Monday. Uh, so he's had a bunch of these in-depth conversations with a bunch of good Muley hunters and then a bunch of personal experience, too. He's he's uh, harvested a bunch of good bucks. And so uh, we start talking about hunter development. We talk about uh, critical thinking. Uh, we talk about uh, experience levels and, and developing your hunting skill set. Um, uh, attitude, finding new locations. Like there's just a bunch of gems in this podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and this, uh, definitely won't be our last podcast together. We're gonna, we're gonna have them on as a regular, um, you know, at least check in with them, uh, every season just because it's such a good podcast. But, um, I really enjoyed it, really enjoyed getting to meet them and, um, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it too. Uh, also, make sure to check out the Wyoming Wildlife Federation. So, uh, Jaden works for them. They're doing a ton of great work for Wyoming wildlife. Uh, they've got a website there you can go check out. So, uh, make sure to go see that as well as that Muley Monday podcast as uh, he runs a great show on there. Just want to thank my sponsor for today's show, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company kept me alive during hunting season. Uh, I love caffeine, and I love a cup of coffee in the mountains, especially when backpacking. It just makes me feel human, and their instant coffee is the best I've ever tried. Uh, a lot of times I'm packing a French press and real coffee into the mountains, uh, but now with their instant, uh, which is a uh, like a little package that you add into the coffee. It's just got great taste, uh, flavor, uh, good caffeine, doesn't bother my system. They've also got some tea bag coffee that you kind of dip in and out uh, that's got coffee in it, which are just great instant coffees, lightweight and don't take up any space in the pack. So those are great. Uh, as well as that, I, I just like their coffee for everyday use. So they've got a coffee subscription that I'm part of uh, where they send me a new type of coffee every month. And um, every one they send me is so good. Uh, just such good roasts in there. Uh, that Evan Hafer, uh, you can tell he's a coffee fanatic by these roasts and their their flavor profile. It's just amazing. And so uh, you can get on and do the subscription program. If you search Black Rifle Coffee Company, uh, put in the Eastman's landing page, and then if you put in the, the promo code, uh, Brian will save you some money on that. Uh, thanks to Black Rifle Coffee Company. And, um, man, for me, um, uh, make sure to check out everything we've got going on over there at Eastman's. Check out the, the Tag Hub, uh, the, the um, Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. The promo code for that is Elevated321. And um, uh, Beyond the Grids, we've got some new ones that are going to be released I'm super excited about. Uh, check us out on the Outdoor Channel, and um, we sure appreciate the support.
And with that, uh, headed off for a family vacation here um, next week. So I'm recording or getting this one all set to release to you guys early. Uh, so yeah, going to go enjoy some time with the family. It's um, It's been a long season. It's finally come to a close and uh, uh, family so deserving, so patient with me and so much support for uh, everything I do and everywhere I go. So we're going to go on a family trip. Super excited for it. So um, yeah, we'll be leaving uh, takeoff here Saturday. So just trying to get all my work done. And um, with that, just looking towards season, um, getting my running in, shooting this new um, Matthews bow is incredible. This uh, V3X, I'm really liking it. It's a shorter axle to axle than I'm used to, but the thing just shoots. Such a forgiving setup. So super stoked with that thing. Been spending a bunch of time with it. And um, yeah, putting in the work, trying to get some uh, tags lined up here and some adventures for next season. And um, also looking at... Um, those uh, big epic adventures, too, where I uh, travel, you know, whether it's um, out of country or out of the lower 48. But, yeah, just uh, trying to plan some awesome adventures. It's, uh, it's a fun time of year and um, have to live this this bow hunting 365 lifestyle to be successful. Uh, it just takes constant effort. And, the, like, the time to improve your skills is right now during the off season. Like, once it's hunting season, you don't become a better shot. You're not shooting enough, not spending enough time with the bow. You're just out spending all your effort into hunting and trying to harvest that target animal. Uh, but the time to improve the skill set is right now. So winter leagues, um, uh, uh, planning on tags, researching units, uh, physical fitness, uh, man, these mountains are brutal. So, like, the more I can prepare for them, the better. And um, I'm just, I'm just all in. Uh, I love the process of preparing for these hunts and getting ready for them. So that's where I'm at. Uh, hopefully, be getting some tags here in the near future and um, start laying out my season. But um, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Uh, so, Jaden Bales. I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. I'm live here this morning. I've got Jaden Bales on. So uh, Jaden runs the the Muley Monday podcast over at the Rich Outdoors on the Patreon out there. Uh, also works for the Wyoming Wildlife Federation and um, just a Muley fanatic like I am. So uh, great to have you on. Thanks, Jaden. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I, man, I've been a longtime listener, and uh, I don't want to pump your tires too much, but a longtime disciple of, of how you hunt and uh, and kind of some of the tips and tactics that you talk about on here. So it's a real pleasure to get a chance to sit down and talk to you. I appreciate it. Man, thanks so much. Yeah, what a nice compliment. It's um, it's not that it's surprising, but it uh, like it's always wild when you start meeting people that listen to the podcast, and especially uh, meeting people that um, you know are you know, such good hunters or I don't know why it surprises me, but it, but it always does. It's wild to run into people like, uh, everybody gets to hear you out on the airwaves. And then every once in a while you get these, um, uh, people that come up and they like, they, they get to know you personally from the podcast, you know? And so, um, but, but likewise, man, um, man, I've seen your, your name around a bunch and then seen some of those animals that you've harvested and, uh, doing great work for that, wyoming wildlife federation so man i couldn't be happier to have you on i'm glad we connected yeah me too and you know some of this comes from uh the conversations i've had with some of the other guys in the eastman's office you know scott reekers talk about another mule deer fanatic but he swung by the office this year as his way through, on his way through town and him and i got to talking and yeah no you guys just run a great operation over there and i like all the stuff you guys are cranking out it's uh it's fun to follow along and, and read the magazine and be part of that whole deal 
Man, super cool. Well, right on. So how'd your muley season go? Oh, you know what? It was probably the best season yet. Um, <laughs> Good for Actually, you. not even probably. It was the best season yet. I, um, You know, it was best season, like, one, because of maybe some personal success, which was great. But, gosh, I got to watch a, a bunch of other uh, friends and family uh, get into some critters. And I spent a week back in my home state of Oregon, uh, grew up on the east side there. With my, I spent a week with my brother and my dad on a rifle elk hunt. Um, so like that was, you know, the 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 highlight, one of the highlights of the year was just spending a week with those guys in a wall tent and chasing elk and yeah. So it was, yeah, like I said, probably the best year yet. And uh, uh, I was lucky enough to to take a buck right outside of the house. Um, by that I mean just you know in the local area. And then um, I had I was really fortunate to go on this kind of high end hunt in. Um, uh, at least a, a landowner tag in Nevada, uh, and made made a quick work of that tag, and, and ended up with a nice buck down there. So, um, yeah, I did nothing to complain about, man. I I, uh, I always hear a lot of people being like, you know, it ain't as good as it once was, or you know, they always find uh, it's easy to find something negative to talk about referring to each each hunting season. But gosh, I just feel like each one's better than the last. Well, and it's, it's all a matter of perspective too, you know, and it's, um, you know, when we get to spend time out, like challenging ourselves, chasing these mule deer and especially multiple hunts like that, like, um, uh, time is so valuable, you know, and so mm -hmm. when you can get time away and go really enjoy ourselves in our passion, the thing we love, like it can't be a bad season, no matter how it ends up, but, uh, uh sprinkle on a little success on that or seeing some good bucks and chasing some good bucks and, um, makes for the best season at ever, you know, or best season yet so man same here just a bunch of great adventures those muleys will just take you to the to the coolest places the most remote places and rugged places and uh it's just super cool is that is that one you um harvested in wyoming uh was that your bow buck that i saw yeah yeah that was and uh Gosh, that was a great that was a great hunt because I had two of my two of my best buddies who um I've been hunting with in Wyoming for a while. Um uh, they were on that hunt and we were trying to get my friend Mason a deer. He stalked in that that evening before and then uh my my buddy Hayden and I and Mason were up on this glass and knob and we were just about to to like call it quits that morning and we're like we'll we'll look down this like in the shadows just a little further down the ridge and sure enough there's just a bachelor group of, like eight bucks down there we're like oh gosh um so hayden and i both stalked in on some deer and hayden got in and a buck stood up at 48 yards and just never stopped for him to get a shot as he was changing beds and then um you know, as that happened, I sat on that uh, on that buck. I ended up getting and uh, sat on him for five hours. Uh, the you know, patience kills the buck, right? And I just every inch of my being wanted to go climb on the rock that he was underneath and like try to shoot him in his bed. But I just baked in the sun there, and and uh, sure enough, he walks right out. And um, <laughs> I muffed the first shot, but he stood there long enough for me to get another shot in and that one hit hit pater and uh tipped off and he tipped over and 
kicked himself off a cliff and <laughs> we had a long pack out. It was, oh you know, man, it's just, you know, when you're there with buddies and, and, uh, in a place that's, you know, that's home, um, it made that one really, really special. And he's, a, he's a dandy buck. He wasn't full velvet when I shot him. And then when he landed in the juniper below, he wasn't in full velvet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the way it can go, you know, especially on those steep side hills. It seems like that, that velvet's pretty sensitive to rolling down the hill and rolling down the hill is pretty common after shooting one of those things but man congratulations um well just, thank you yeah just yeah. nothing better than sharing those hunts with like good buddies and family is there like um and and you know like um it, when you find good buddies to hunt with they actually create more opportunities and um just the like I, i've never laughed so hard in all my life like the jokes are funnier like the it's just really good times with buddies when you're in the mountains isn't it Oh, absolutely. And I'm also, I'm also fortunate enough that my significant other hunts real hard. Um, and you know, we spent a bunch of days, um, just trying to connect on a deer during rifle season with her. And, uh, she's a, she's a diehard bow hunter as well. And uh, her name's Jess Johnson. If anyone's seen her around on the Instagrams and stuff, but, um, yeah, she, she's a diehard bow hunter and, you know, she hadn't shot a buck with her bow or with a rifle yet. So that was the goal this year. And by golly, it was so, it was so tough. It was, uh, just, you know, you'd see a buck, you'd try to move in and something would happen, you know, and, and it just happened over and over again. And eventually, you know, being a Wyoming resident, we were fortunate enough to, you know, hunt a couple different seasons and it took until Halloween to, to, find one within range and by gosh it was really within range it was she she made a great shot at 80 yards she's just got more patience than anyone i've seen and it's just it, it you know like just from that hunt alone you learn a lot you know i i think we get really lazy when we go rifle hunting and uh, um and we forget how uh as a bow hunter you have to be so much more patient and, and calculated and take so many uh, more precautions as you're moving in and then she comes out there with a rifle and gets to 80 yards and is like oh that'll work <laughs> you know uh it was so fun and like you said it's just you learn so much with when you're with other people and other good hunters and it's hard to find a bunch of uh folks but when you do you know hold them close uh folks that are good to good to hunt with and, and are fun and um, like you said, love to laugh and don't take themselves too seriously because, gosh, that's also there's so much of it is I think that there's some folks out there that that forget that hunting's supposed to be fun when we're out there. And, and gosh, that's just that's always top of mind for me. Yeah, right. Um, good for you. Yeah, to have a spouse that hunts so hard. It is. It's like um uh, you, you know, all of this is to further our hunting skill, you know, like always the goal is to kill a buck, but, um, really you have to be like a student of the game, you know, and you have to continue to learn and evolve and, you know, like it's, um, we're going to fail. Like it's a prerequisite, like we're, whether we're going to fail on a stock, fail on a shot, fail on a, on finding deer, like it's going to happen over and over again. And like, you have to get used to that and uh, take it in stride. And not that I, that I don't ever get frustrated or anything, but you know, you just like, you mess up a stock and go, man, I, I, I should have waited and got the wind rider. I should have been more patient and great patience on your part, by the way, like five hours is so long to sit on a buck. Like you, you dang near lose your sanity sitting that long on a buck waiting for him. And mine will start playing tricks on you if he moved or like, you say you know your your mind was pulling at you to go try to shoot him over the rock but that patience of just waiting and and we can sit 
here and talk about five hours, but five hours is an eternity when you're not moving and you're knocked up and you're waiting for this opportunity, you know? And so, like, yeah, we just continue to learn and being a student of the game is a huge part of that. And even you guys spotting that buck. Like, um, one of the things I love about mule deer is, like, um, you have to be diligent behind your glass. Like, they... Uh, you know, sometimes they'll stand stand out, um, but but not like a bleach blonde bull will. Like a like a mule deer with his gray coat on, he can just disappear. I mean, they can be in the wide open, two hundred yards below you, and, and you never see him. You know, and and that goes for the bow seasons and for the rifle seasons. Like you really got to be diligent behind your glass. But yeah, it's continuing to learn, isn't it? Oh man, absolutely. And I think one of the things that gets to be fun though is like thinking about um being diligent behind the glasses like if you turn it into a game or turn it into like you know i know that i can turn up a deer and 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 you start getting some confidence in your abilities uh then it becomes i think more fun and you start to set into the process and just be like that's there's gonna be a deer here there's gonna be a deer here and uh it happened in my wyoming hunt where um you know we we eventually turned up bucks late in the morning and uh in nevada we did the same thing it was like 20 degrees had just dumped a bunch of snow uh in the high country up there and i was like gosh we have to see deer we have to see deer and just as we were like calling it quits at like 9 30 or something we're gonna go check a new spot sure enough the deer popped out all of a sudden and you're just like oh holy cow they've been here the whole time <laughs> but we couldn't see them you know and we're sitting there really picking it apart with with spot and scopes and and uh looking under every tree we can find and, and then all of a sudden they just you know holy cow how'd i miss those the entire time uh, yeah, no, it's fun. And once you make it into like, you know, settling into the process and knowing that it turns up eventually, it makes it way easier. Um, you know, we did that and my, my brother, he, uh, and my dad and I had that hunt in, or- in Oregon this year that was, while it was an elk hunt, it was really glassing intensive. It was in November and it was like one of those things is like, just uh, you, you just settle in, like, don't, don't try to force anything by just stomping through every timber patch in the entire in the entire country, but just trust your glass and use your eyes to walk. And, um, in addition to covering ground on feet, you know, before you get there into that position, it's, it's a deadly combination. And, uh, gosh, I know guys like you just preach it, you know, cover those miles and then use your glass. And, 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 uh, it's fun. It's fun when you start getting into the process for sure. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important, man. You're spot on. Like, um, uh, confidence is, is king, like, uh, to, to believe in your process and believe in your skills, uh, be, because it's, it's going to get questioned along the hunt and especially being a new hunter. It's so tough. Like there's so many gray areas. You're not sure if you should stalk that buck on his feet or, uh, you're not sure if you should stalk him in his bed. You're not sure. You're, you're not sure what a all in scenario looks like or what you're even looking for. And then you're, you're just not sure what good muley habitat looks like. And so you're just constantly in your head, like second guessing, but you're right. As you start to get some experience under your belt, you start to realize what Bucky country looks like. And in Bucky country, it transposes to a multitude of habitats all the way from sagebrush to the desert, to the high country, wherever it is, you start to get this feel for what Bucky country looks like. And, and your instincts start to take over in your decision-making and, and just like, um, you sitting behind your glass, it's amazing sometimes that you can sit on a vantage point and even be first light when there's the most movement. But those deer can also be bedded at first light. But just sitting on a on a vantage point and just knowing, like, 
this is this is Bucky country. I need to sit here for a while. I've got a good vantage. Like I need to really pick this apart. And then just like you, it's wild. You know, you'll glass it so hard for two hours, and then all of a sudden, just catch a buck like slipping through the edge of the trees or uh, slipping in a spot. And so yeah, it's like um, uh, a diligent behind the glass. But that also goes for like the decision of knowing when to move. You know, when to cover miles, when to keep going. You know, and and so all that factors in and and. Experience is the best teacher, but, you know, like um, uh, resources like you on Cody Riches having all these in-depth conversations with Muley guys, you know, like me on Eastman's Elevate, like putting out this good information that guys can listen to, it shortens the learning curve and gives them some expectations of what to look for. And then it's going out and like testing it in the field because uh, experience is the best teacher, you know, but it, it is like um, it's like this 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 feeling or like a it goes in you know you draw from from your past experience and just feelings of a place and and for me like um you know if i'm not seeing deer you know and i'm sitting there for a long time like there is a time that i need to move and go to a new basin and go cover a new spot but but that time can be different like sometimes if i see some small bucks it's like well i better stick it out in these couple drainages until evening and you know maybe i missed a buck in here you know i can only see 60% or 50% of the country. I can't see the backside of the ridges. So I should probably sit it out for another vantage point, maybe even another morning. But if I sit there in a good spot and I've got a great vantage point and there should be deer movement, you know, all of a sudden, if I sit there for an hour or uh, whatever the determined time is that I'm going to sit there and I don't see a deer, well, then it's time to, to keep moving because uh, bucks like where bucks like and they're not – they're not spread out throughout all the country. They have folds and basins that they prefer and that they like and that they hang out in. And so it is like just developing those instincts, isn't it? And experience is the best way to do that. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that you preach that I've tried to pick up on is and, and implement is just being a super efficient, you know, when you're traveling from spot to spot, when you finally do decide to move, like doing that efficiently and making making tracks quickly so that like you can then get and sit down and get behind your glass again, I think is crucial. Um, cause if you're going to go, you know, going to go do the next vantage point, that's, um, you got to lose 400 vertical feet and then climb another six. And then, uh, across that span is another mile and a half. Like, um, sometimes if, if it takes you all day to get there, you might be missing something, you know, and I, I love how you take your fitness so seriously. And, and, uh, I think it's, it's like part of the entire thing is like, um, making sure that you're prepared from all, all angles like that. Um, it's the full package, right? Like you can't, you can't just be a super athlete and never spend any time behind glass, but you can also like only glass and not be able to get to where the deer are. And there's, there's just, it's, it's so complex. And, um, I think that's one of the, my favorite things about this whole process is like, there's never something you can't be working on and there's never something that you can't, um, be learning or improving upon at any specific time. Doesn't matter. Um, if you've gotten one buck or you've gotten a lifetime of deer you know like there's always something new and things are always changing and ah gosh it just makes it I, at least so far it, it makes it so it's be it's hard for me to find any way to get burnt out <laughs> dude that's it it's like the ultimate journey isn't it it's like it's so multifaceted 
And um, just like you explained, like it can't be all fitness or it can't be all shooting. It like it takes all these pillars of skills that you have to develop to be, you know, the to 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 be a, a consistently successful hunter, you know. And so like you have to you have to go deep down the rabbit hole at each one of these, and 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 you have to be smart at hunting. Like uh, you know, even if you're in good shape and the best shot in the world, if you can't find deer, it doesn't do you any good. And so you're absolutely yep. right. It's so multifaceted. And I think the the quicker you can understand that and work in each one of those, you know, like like the better hunter you're going to be and, and the quicker you're going to develop. And I love what you said, like about covering country, like um, being able to get to that next spot, like uh, uh, you're a man after my own heart. Like I, I love to cover country. Once I decide to go, I'm going and it can be a double edged sword like you can yeah. you can spook a buck on the way. That, that you couldn't glass up that's in tough terrain that's living on a ridgeline so you definitely have to like try to keep your head on a swivel and, and try to look for those opportunities but you also can't just still hunt through miles of country it just doesn't work you got to get to those vantage points and see them and 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 still hunting isn't my game you know my game is spot and stock and that's where i do the best so i i try to get to that next spot but also like like trying to be low impact in country like a lot of that country that you're hunting in wyoming and such like if if you're just walking ridge lines carelessly like all of a sudden every deer in the country can see you and you might blow that opportunity before you ever get a chance and so like doing those little things as you're moving through country like walking on the backsides of ridge lines you know not skyline and um and, and trying to uh, like, uh, even though I'm moving and I'm covering country and trying to get to that next vantage point, if I see a basin that opens up or a meadow that opens up, you know, I'm, I'm throwing my, my binos up. Like I have OCD, like just trying to, just trying to catch one, you know, see it before they see me, you know? So it, it is, um, it, it's like there, there's, a. Uh, uh, so many things that come into play when you're in the high country and you're you're so limited on time like we don't have uh, weeks or months or years up there and so gosh you really got to make good on the days that you do have there trying to locate you know good box oh absolutely and I, I love what you're talking about you know hunting that wyoming country where you're trying to cover get across these big basins or whatever really quickly and, and move a make it uh make a good stock on a deer it's it, it always seems like they put themselves in a position where the best way to get there is the absolute hardest route to them. And, you know, you're crossing scree fields and you're running like these big boulder slopes trying to stay out of like sight and uh, and stay out of the basin so that they don't see you coming or that other deer don't see you coming or elk or whatever the case is. Right. And gosh, it always feels like the heart. It's the hardest method is always the easiest or the, the best guarantee to, to get in close and, and and man i think it's so important to, to like you said make that low impact and be prepared to to push your body a little bit to try to <laughs> do everything by the book and do it right oh man yeah and that's like half that's half the battle is knowing um when you need to drop over that back side of the ridge or if there's a or if there's a ridge in between you two uh, like the deer that's going to hide you or not um it's tough man and, and and making those calls is something like you were talking about earlier like it just comes with i think screwing it up a lot of times and realizing <laughs> oh, i couldn't get away with that one 
Yeah, that's totally it, man. You're right. Like it, it is like learning from our mistakes, isn't it? And you screw up enough that you start to um, uh, learn your lesson, you know. And and you're right. There's just like no shortcuts. Like um, uh, it's always the most difficult way. And and the minute you take a shortcut, it seems like you get caught. The the moment you think, you know, I'm 500 yards below this buck, I'm just gonna cross this meadow instead of losing a bunch of elevation and circling way around. Like he won't see me down here. And all of a sudden that buck's just keyed into you and he's seen you from 500 yards crossing this open meadow down there it's like the moment you take a shortcut which in human nature we're looking for the easiest way a lot of times even guys like me and you that that love to hunt mule deer which is extremely difficult like uh uh, that easy way it teases us, you know. It tempts us, you know. It's a temptress, like a, it. Uh, uh, it's like, oh, you could just walk on this ridge and save a bunch of energy, or you could just cross this meadow, save a bunch of energy, and save a bunch of time and get to this buck quicker. But it seems like always the the hard way and the tough way is the better way. And you're you're right, like when you talk about uh, decisions you have to make. Like you have to, you have to learn to be decisive and, you know, I can be pretty easy going and go with the flow, but boy, in mule deer country, like you have to make decisions and stick to it. And, you know, especially like you hunting with your buddies where you're a team leader, you're making decisions for multiple guys or, or like for me, if I've got a cameraman or if I'm hunting with a buddy, you know, I'm making decisions for multiple guys, but you have to be decisive and, and then you have to live with your decisions and you do make mistakes. You learn from them, but you just got to make a decision, believe in it and go for it. The, the second guessing and the gray areas and the wishy-washy, I could do this, but maybe not do this. You'll just talk yourself out of a lot of opportunities. Like, like I'm a go for it guy. Like if, uh, uh, sure. I want to be patient and have the wind right and catch the buck in the right spot. But I'm also like, you don't know what you got until you get in there. Like, uh, I'm going to try to, to play the conditions the best I can, but I'm also going to try to give myself a chance. I'm not just going to sit back and watch the buck of my dreams for five days and never make a play at him. Like, I'm, I'm going to go shake it up and see if I can't kill that buck. So, like, and, and everybody has to build their own preferences for hunting, too. Like, not everybody hunts as, as aggressive as I do. Like, uh, you have to build your own preferences for what you're looking for if you like to hunt deer on their feet or deer in their beds i mean both work it's just like those deer in their beds like you're able to really make these calculated uh stocks on them and you're really able to take your time because you know that buck's not moving and so you're you're stalking to that spot to where you know when they're on their feet it's like stalking any deer in the open they just catch movement so well and and um I, I like hunting deer on their feet when they're focused on feeding and um it it offers a good shot um but it also can be tricky so you, you got to kind of learn like what your personal preference are is are for hunting them and there's no one way to kill a buck like creative thinking is rewarded in the mountains man and i also think y'all oh, it's like so spot dependent or, or, or situationally dependent too it's like this uh the canyon that i shot my buck out of um it was a haul to get across that thing from where we spotted these deer we weren't you weren't going to get over there in less than 45 minutes to an hour so <laughs> there's no way we were going to stalk them on their feet right like they could be bedded down or they could totally be in a different little you know cut or or under a different rock by the time you get there um so that you know is a difference but then if you're in like some of that stuff in montana where uh while it's steep it may be a little bit closer together in places like then maybe that is a 
better situation to stock them on their feet and or, or like during the rut you know like you always talk about it's like it's it's a little harder to find them to sit down and not move for a while um the, man and then the other thing about the you know making hunting plans and hunting aggressively and knowing your preferences it's like i think the other thing like when you're hunting with other people is you got to figure out what their preferences are too and i actually think there's some communication that needs to be done more often and i've, I've learned this the hard way um you know especially you know you look at me hunting with my buddy hayden and he uh he's a trail runner he's an old, like you know ex wrestler and like likes to get after it kind of like you and I do and then like if you go if i go with Jess she's really methodical and she like makes sure we don't walk past deer and and like just understanding um those two approaches and knowing that like you should be cognizant of what your other hunting partner wants to do is so crucial and you know Cody Rich he he pointed this out to me a long time ago he likes to um he likes to hunt elk solo, even though that it may be not as effective as hunting with another partner, but because he can be just so you know intuitive with his decisions, he can just be like, yep, that's what I'm going to do. I don't have to think about how anybody else is like approaching the situation. I don't have to think about uh, whether they think this is a bad idea <laughs> or, or whatever and just get after it. Um, and I like, you know, it's, it's not always like you're never going to be a right a hundred percent of the time. But like you said, like sometimes you just got to send it, um, you know, and I, I think, it's like that a lot it seems like with bears too when those bears come out um 30 minutes before dark or an hour before dark uh in the spring it's like oh god we gotta go now because otherwise you're not gonna get a shot and uh you know the same situation might happen tomorrow you might see them but they come out just you know and you have you have to sprint to get there and and uh like you said being decisive like that is just crucial crucial uh at, at least in, it seems like you know when you're when you're really in these these public land kind of highly pressured areas where things are are uh, maybe not as easy to to predict uh day to day what's happening and what kind of pressure's coming through and that kind of thing yeah uh you're uh, spot on i love that like that saying sometimes you got to send it like that's just totally it like <laughs> yeah. uh, i've got a couple of those sayings that that, that resonate with me, you know, that um, I'll say, you know, and you got to give yourself a chance, but you also don't want to be reckless. You de- you got to like yeah. learn to not be reckless and spook every deer on the mountain because that ruins your opportunities, you know? And so like uh, learning that balance between aggressive and reckless is really tough. It's a, it's a thin line, you know, it's like, uh, uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll send it and it's not the right opportunity and I blow that buck and he wasn't in the right spot and I pushed it anyways. And then you get over there and you're so committed because you've already hiked over there that it's like, well, I'm just going to see if he's there, even in a bad situation. And a a real disciplined hunter learns how to back out or learns how to go back to the vantage point, try to relocate that buck, you know, or – or like sometimes you see a deer on his feet and you go to send it and like you were talking, you don't have enough time to get there, you know? And so by the time you get there, he's bedded. And now you've lost where that deer went. You would have been way better to sit on the vantage point and uh, seen where he where he bedded or, or even where he disappeared to so you have a better play for the afternoon, evening. So, yeah, man, it's a, it's a fine line, but you do have to be decisive. And I find with buddies, like I love hunting with guys and um, – 
especially good friends, you know, and, and being able to cover miles in the mountains. But the other like asset you have is like when you hunt with really good hunters is like to be able to split up and go different directions and then meet up that night and share information. Like you double your knowledge about a place, you know, and if your, your buddy finds good bucks and he brings you in there and vice versa, you know? And so like being able to split up and cover multiple vantage points and hunt that way, but then still share the hunt together. Uh, it, it, it's a, a huge benefit in the mountains and so like i i run that program with a lot of buddies where we will just split up and i can even hunt three guys out of camp and everybody's going to a different spot a different direction and um you know maybe i don't see deer that morning but they will you know and even if you know there isn't enough to bring me in there they're hunting one buck at least i know you know there's deer in the area it gives me confidence to to keep pushing and keep hunting so i like running that program as well Oh, that's great, man. I haven't, I haven't spent a whole lot of time doing that, but do, do you at least like, uh, make, make getting water and camp supplies a, a little easier too? I mean, it would imagine, you know, especially in some of this Wyoming high country where there's just no water on top. Um, uh, that is half the battle is staying up there, uh, with camp supplies, you know, and, and, and I'm sure it's like that in places like Nevada and Utah and, and, uh, other, you know, high country kind of buck hunting. Um, I, do you think you get some benefit from having people in a camp like that too, just from camp supplies or do you guys run and operate kind of individually? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an asset to have a buddy, you know, in country and we always carry those water bladders with us. And so if you're going down on a stock and you cross a creek, like you're filling up water. And so, you know, a lot of times we're running down there together after a morning hunt or we're running down there together to get water. But sometimes one guy gets freed up or, uh, you know, where the other guy's uh, uh, making a hunt or doesn't come back where another guy gets it. So it definitely makes like camp living easier uh, with two guys. And also like, um, uh, you know, with the, the cooking chores and that when you got a good buddy that chips in, it's just like everything's easier. Like two hands are uh, or four hands, I guess, are better than one or better than two. <laughs> Gosh, I, uh, don't, yeah. don't get me on my math problems this morning, but yeah, totally. Like, um, yeah, when you get a good partner in camp, he's just willing to chip in all the time. So it just makes camp chores easier, living easier. And you're right. Like so much of this high country mule deer hunting is being able to stay up on the ridgelines and live on the ridgelines and also safety in camp. You have to get down and you have water to worry about. And there's a bunch of concerns there. But yeah, the biggest part of that high country mule deer hunting is just being able to live there above tree line to be able to get to those vantage points and create opportunities. So yeah, definitely having a couple guys is a huge asset. And also just like, um, just like the mental side of things to be able to share a hunt with a buddy, whether you're splitting up or hunting together, like you just keep got, you keep each other in a good mood. Uh, you're, you're, you're jovial about tough conditions where, you know, and sometimes you get trapped in the tent for days and storms roll in and, you know, it's like, like these hunts never go as planned and they're always tougher than we think they're going to be. And you run into all these challenges. You're just not sure what those challenges are going to be. And like, to use that saying of the military, two is one and one is none, like to have two guys in there, it just seems like you can survive anything and you can stay 10 days on a backcountry hunt and like you just keep each other in a good mood and you keep pushing and it, it seems like when you do that and stay in country long enough, eventually an opportunity presents itself and somebody ends up arrowing a buck and you, you also have to be in it for the team. You have to want your buddy's success as much as you want your own success and your success will come 
income, it'll get paid back twofold. But uh, you can't get in this this um, competition or you can't get in this um, uh, you always want the stock. Like you really have to be – if you want a good hunting partner, you have to be a good hunting partner. And so you've got to really pull for your buddy's success and try to create him opportunities as well and, and find happiness in that. Um, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Oh, man. I, I learned a real valuable lesson about that last year. I, uh, I was trying to get you know, a really uh, – I was actually trying to get two nice bucks last year. Um, you know, and it was kind of like a goal I had set with the, that I talked about on our podcast and yada, yada. And I really was, you know, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of people uh, who listen are like this and you are too. But when you set a goal, it's just like, I want to accomplish that thing. And this is the, nothing is going to stand in the way. And, uh, last year, man, I ended up shooting a buck out from underneath Jess that was just in a perfect position. Uh, and he was a nice deer. And, uh, as you can imagine, if you shoot a buck out from underneath your significant other, um, you, uh, it, it, it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> so, uh, but it was just, just exactly a, a great lesson to, you know, emphasize what you're talking about was like, man, I just felt like afterwards looking back, I was like, wow, that was super selfish. And, and I, you know, then a couple days later we came up on an even nicer buck. Uh, and it, he was in a position that was really hard, uh, for maybe a new rifle hunter to get a shot off on. And it was in a position that I could have maybe gotten a shot. And, uh, you know, it just is one of those things where, yeah, I think, you know, being selfless, uh, and, and helping other people really pays off. And, um, you know, in contrast to that this year, I was like, we were talking about earlier on, like I was really hoping to help get my, my buddy Mason a deer. And, um, you know, like I said, we helped, I helped Jess a little bit, uh, this year and I helped another friend come out, um, and go elk hunting. And, uh, we both had elk tags, but he was coming out from Oregon to, to hunt in Wyoming. And, and after helping all of uh, you know, those folks, um, it, it turned out that my season was still the best that, you know, personally that, um, I could have imagined. So I think it's totally just like that. When, when you hope that other people, um, and, and help other people have success, then it doesn't detract from your own at all, man. And, and if anything, it just, <laughs> it puts some great karma in, on your side. And I just, I, I think you're exactly right. And when I went to Colorado last year, um, in the late season, I met up with these two guys from, uh, Utah that I just met over the interwebs. And, and these two buddies were just exactly like what you had talked about. And so this was just a couple weeks after I'd shot that, that buck from under Jess. And I went and hung out with these two guys in Utah and they literally would see a deer and be like, Nah, man, you 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 take that deer. Nah, dude, you take that buck. And, and it was really cool to watch. I spent one morning and there was a four point down there, and I was kind of ho- hoping for uh, a little bit bigger buck. And I was I was okay with eating the tag if I didn't find you know really mature deer. And they were like, "Come on, guy, like go go get that buck." You know, they just wanted to see everyone else in the group have success. And those are the kind of people you want to be around, man. And, and those are also you know after seeing that in in place, that's the kind of person that I I really hope to be in the mountains is just you know hoping other folks have as much success or more than than what you do on a hunt is uh just so fun and and you're watching the someone's face i i took a couple uh videos of people walking up on their critters as they you know uh for the first time after they've uh killed something and gosh it's so fun to look 
back on those moments because you know they're just full of elation and like it's it's the accumulation of a lot of hard work and preparation and you know like watching somebody else go through that is so fun it's so enjoyable um yeah i think you made some excellent points there like being with people who are selfless and being selfless yourself is just crucial yeah man um that's so cool to like uh uh, to hang out with guys that are truly selfless like that is amazing. Yeah. And, and I think it goes further than that, too, like not only on the hunt, but, um, you know, uh, outside the hunt, like uh, setting your, your buddies up with good hunting spots. You know, it's like um, mm-hmm. I have this circle of friends and we just don't keep secrets. We're we're really upfront about information and where we're hunting and what we saw. And um I'm able to gather so much more information, especially I built these trust with these guys where I just know if they tell me something, you know, that it's that it's true or, you know, I know, you know, that they're not trying to to steer me away with false information from the real spot or, you know what I'm saying, or the real buck. And and also it's like um, it's like you just get to gather so much more information about an area when you're upfront and honest. And so, like, I've got a couple of really good buddies that I hunt with this year, and I've got some good late-season spots. And so, like, uh, those guys were headed down. I was already tagged out. I couldn't get away. And so, like, I just draw those, I drew those guys a treasure map down there of 10 years of experience of hunting this place, you know, and, like, uh, able to, to help them out. And they had just, like, this dynamite hunt calling me, giving me the report every day. And then they ended up arrowing two bucks, you know. Uh, they both killed a buck, arrowed it, like, uh, during general rifle season. They were just stoked with the experience, you know. And so, like, um, you know, it it was, like, uh, amazing. And I also got information from that because I was getting the report day in, day yeah. out about all my spots down in that area and how they were producing and the bucks they were seeing. And, and once you know it, you know, it comes back twofold when then I go and share a hunt with these guys in another late season spot and we all go together. And this is one of those dream trips like what you're talking about, wall tent, hanging out, cooking good food. We're truck camping, so no more granola, yeah. no, you know, no dehydrated meals. Like, it's all – burgers and tacos and in a bunch of laughs and um it gets dark so early so you're hanging out a bunch you know maybe a cold beverage here or there but just an absolute riot with these guys but once you know it you know i set those guys up with good spots and then you know we're, we're hunting around there and um you know i'm hunting this good buck that we called coke can because he was so so massive and you know those guys would send me into this money spot day in day out to go hunt this buck and try to kill him and you know ended up killing a really good heavy buck it was actually a different buck uh in a different location but the point is it's like these guys want to see my success as much as i want to see theirs and so um they're actually headed back to that late season spot. Uh, in fact, just had a buddy stop by the house on his way down. And, um, you know, and so like with all my years of experience down there, like I'm able to share some different spots to them to go check out, you know, check out this range or this access point or, hey, I've chased deer in here, you know. And so they're able to further their knowledge in a place and hopefully they arrow a couple bucks, you know. But, yeah, it's it's uh, like having these circle of friends that you can trust and share information is is huge. You just um, – you gain so much more intel on areas, you know. So I, I really enjoy that, and I enjoy keeping in touch with those guys too. Oh, absolutely. Man, and the unfortunate thing of all of this is that – um, you can't really give out all of this information to everybody. <laughs> you can't like help every soul with the same information. So like you said, having that nice uh, tight group of friends is, is crucial because like you're saying, if you sent every uh, 
Tom, Dick, and Harry into the same buckhole, then it wouldn't be a buckhole anymore. It would it would be uh, full of people. So it's tough because you want to help everybody out, but it's it's so important. And that's where like I think maybe um, you know finding people who love to like the process of learning is so crucial because otherwise you you know it's that whole like teaching a person to fish. Uh, versus giving them one for a day, right? Like it, as long as your friends and the people who you're working with uh, or helping out um, are, are of the same mindset that they're constantly learning and constantly like trying to develop their skills and, and their information, like, that's – it's so important um, because otherwise I also don't think we're helping folks out if they're not of that mindset of like you know learning areas and learning how to be better at at, at recognizing what good buck areas are and then trying to uh, further that knowledge because otherwise man you're just kind of spinning in circles and if you give people onyx pins they just go to onyx pins and then they're like ah no deer there you know that's it's a totally um, it's a totally different experience so yeah no I think that that really tight knit group of people is crucial and um it's something that uh i i always try to find i you know i try to help folks out a lot but i also um really and that's kind of what you know you do on this podcast and like something that i'm really passionate about with uh the podcast uh with, with the rich outdoors newly monday is just teaching people how to um you know, take this little nugget of information and then extract like the the how to out of it and then place it into wherever you're at so like maybe if you hear of this um experience in nevada you can just grab that experience and then try to transpose it into your hunt in mexico or something uh to to try to um create your own experience and then then you can have your own buckhole that you know like you can send your buddies to and uh and and talk about and learn and yeah i think it's all that whole process is so fun and, and it's so important to to be in love with the process because otherwise <laughs> especially as as much as things change and as much as you know tags um are kind of limited or whether they're limited or the more people are applying it doesn't really matter if it's getting harder to go to these places you gotta you gotta keep uh, learning and keep developing new strategies to 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 find these awesome uh, experiences out west and uh, you know like it's just uh, it feels like some of these things like you said the the opportunities in your your old honey hole might be more limited today than they were yesterday but gosh there's still other places to go check out and there's a lot of honey holes left to find so uh, it's just is so fun to be to be involved in that process and hopefully you've got you know and which i'm sure you do with this group you're talking about other guys who are who are really passionate about doing that process oh Jaden, you are so spot on man you have such good insight into uh the relationship and how it works yeah you're exactly right like i've um i've had buddies before that i've taken to spots and then they just go to that spot and it's not knowing a spot or knowing a drainage i hunt it's how i hunt it how i move through yeah. it the different vantage points and so you show somebody that but then he just hunts that area because it's really good and he'll hunt it out or you take too many people there and all of a sudden there's no bucks in there it's not a buckhole and so like i try really hard on this podcast to to not have any secrets and share everything that helps make me successful that is everything but the location i'm hunting you know like those are <laughs> yeah those yeah. are private areas that you know that you have to work really hard to get you spend so much time away from work so much gas money so much scouting and so many places that don't pan out that um 
you know, when you find a good location, you know, it's special to you, you know, and so like you, you got to hold it close to your chest. But you're right in that when you find the right hunting partner, like it's not knowing a good spot, like the key to killing good bucks is not having this secret spot. It's having the skill set to be able to find these secret spots. So it's like not, you know, like when you when you exactly what you said, like to teach a man to fish, like you teach somebody how to be a good hunter. And all of a sudden, you know, they're they're finding spots and same thing things like that group of friends that I'm talking about, you know, those guys are explorers, they're adventurers. So yeah, I may, you know, give them a good spot for this late season, but they'll return the favor. They'll be scouting other locations. They'll learn more about this area than I knew. They'll explore deeper and farther in different uh, uh, sections of it or whatever the case is. And so like they're they're not afraid to go out and venture out and find a good new spot and they'll share that information with me again no secrets and so in in turn like with you know three good buddies we end up learning three times as many good spots as we would you know than than just me like having this one good spot and sharing it so you're right it's not just having a good location or it's not just having an onyx pin that you go to it's learning how to dissect country it's learning how to find these these good new spots you know and and like you said there is so many good spots out there there's uh, good bucks in, in in every state in nearly every unit out there like you just got to be able to explore to find these buck holes and where these bucks prefer and hang out in a lot of these places i find uh, they're there for a reason nobody's found it before or guys have found it and left it or things have changed but um i just find that there's um in an unlimited amount of good locations if you're just willing to put in the work and to put in that work you also have to strike out a bit you know like i think you know, I, I wanted to kill a high country buck in Montana, and Montana's not known for it. Uh, we have a couple ranges that have good high country mule deer, but uh, real low populations, a lot more cover, like it's just tough. And man, I think I explored 10 different mountain ranges before I finally found a spot that there was enough bucks living in the high country that I could expect to kill one with my bow and arrow. And so, like, it, you, you fail. Like, you, you go to locations and don't find deer a lot. But eventually, if you keep putting in the work and you keep believing, and that goes back again to having that confidence in your skills, like you just know you're going to turn up some bucks eventually. You're going to find one of those buck holes eventually. And one of the funnest things for me is exploring new areas. I just love going to new locations. And even if it's a unit I've hunted, like I just love going, I love exploring and going somewhere new. And I'm sure, you know, I could probably have more success if I just went back to all the good spots I've found over the years, but I can't help myself. I want to explore and see something different and find different bucks. I'm in love with the process of finding buckles, you know, which I think is the key. Yeah, it, I I just think you're you're just oh I I could totally echo what you're saying because it's like as soon as let's say you just like pick a you know throw a dart at the map you, you you've looked at your onyx and you're like uh, especially if it's a new unit you know in some place you have or if you have no like previous information about this area you just like pick a spot on onyx you show up there you get on the glassing knob and that next and as the sun rises there's a deer there there's a buck there or a nice buck there. And it just, oh man, it just feels like you struck gold. It, it, you know, when you just go to this new place and you've worked hard to get there, and and and, and you hit the um, 
you you hit the nail on the head when you're when you find these new spots it's just so it's like so fun it's so rewarding um but it wouldn't be as rewarding if you didn't end up striking out a lot of the time <laughs> you know not every new little drainage is gonna have a, a a big old mature buck that you want to chase and that's like that's so much of the fun right and if i uh i always say like if you don't see something in a spot you just know that you're checking that one off and and you uh you've you know, actually learn something about it too and um and just enjoy moving through country and and seeing those those places is um that's fun in and of itself you know like if if you took the hunting and this is kind of uh hippy dippy but like if you took away the hunting um i'd still be out running around looking at stuff you know like it, it it's all just like that that's part of it that's super fun to me um uh, is getting out and seeing all these these this new country and like you said it's like um always some sort of new ex- exploration or adventure where we can go out to um uh, you know i had have no i would have no reason to go to nevada <laughs> if it wasn't for mule deer um at least in the in the middle of the summer for sure um but you know that that's when that season is in august and like i am hoping to get there here pretty soon because uh i want to go back and and, and check out those bucks in the in the velvet and like i said you know you, i wouldn't want to go there and, and uh you know, bake in the sun for anything else <laughs> at this point. Yeah, man. Um, that's exactly right. Well, that's why you're a good mule deer hunter is that like, uh, uh, you, you've, you've learned to enjoy the process, you know, like, uh, you love the process and you enjoy your time in the mountains because if you're only enjoying it when you're on a big deer, like, uh, you're not going to be very <laughs> successful. Like, it's uh, you, not, you're not going to have any fun, man. <laughs> no, you're not going to have any fun, you know? And, um, so that's exactly right. Like you, you fall in love with the process and looking for them and finding new areas and you have fun no matter how the hunt turns out. Like there's a, there's a bunch of tags that I pay premium money for. And in today's day and age, like, um, you know, finding new areas, you have to take chances. Like, um, you know, like I hunt a lot of zero to two point units, zero to three point units. And so like, as we're coming into tag research season, like, um, you know, I'm looking at these different locations and I'm trying to find the next hot spot. You know, I'm trying to find the next good spot for me or uh, trying to find a good spot, multiple good spots in every state that I can go back to, you know, and like um, uh, uh, through that process, like through finding these, you have to take chances on units. And um, there's some times where I strike out where I, you know, uh, uh, just uh, it maybe the, the habitat looks perfect and. Uh, but the deer numbers aren't there or, uh, you know, like I remember, um, I talked to Lampers earlier in the season. Um, I had hunted a elk unit that, um, uh, that, that he drew a tag for this year. And so I was helping, you know, sharing some pins and sharing some information with him at where I'd seen bulls and kind of how I'd hunted or whatever, but he just got wrapped up and he's a great mule deer hunt. He loves to mule deer hunt and he's a killer with his rifle, with his bow, and he went to a unit that he killed a great big buck in three, four years ago, and he showed up in that unit. And, you know, Ryan's one of those guys that's consistently successful, probably 80 to 100% of his hunts, you know. He just – he fills tags with good, mature bucks. And he got down and he said, Brian, I hunted my ass off down there. He's like, um, 
I never, I think he saw like maybe two four point bucks. They were just, he said it was a win for him when he could find a two point or a three point. You know, he said like, uh, there <laughs> yeah. was just no mature bucks. There was no age class there. And so, you know, whether they, they got killed off or, you know, who knows what the scenario is. But I know when I talked to Ryan that he covered every square inch of that unit and there was not a good mature buck to be had, or at least he didn't turn him up. But that guy hunts efficiently and effectively and it just happens. Like you're gonna go to units you're gonna strike out you're gonna eat tags and especially with a bow and arrow like uh bow hunting success hovers like in most of these units like around you know 10 to 20 percent it can even be lower than that in general season units you know and so like it's it's tough to expect success every time and uh you know i love to uh, i love to to go down to a unit figure it out and arrow a good mature buck like that's the absolute ultimate and the goal for me but it's just not feasible on every hunt you're gonna have some that you strike out on you know and you you have to take that in stride and embrace it and keep looking for that next new area you know you can't let it discourage you even though you paid a premium for that tag you just can't look at it that way it's it is an experience and it's adventures and it's part of the process it's part of the process of becoming a uh you know a good hunter and so um Man, I just think as we come into tag season and we start looking at these opportunities, you know, and sometimes you take a chance and it's a zero point unit and doesn't pan out, but sometimes it does and you turn up a good one and then you find a spot that you can hunt year after year and continue to gain knowledge about it. So, um, yeah, man, like I, I love the entire process, every bit of it, including right now, like starting to look at these different states. And I know you wrote, um, the Oregon MRS for Eastman's, um, uh, about the, uh, Oregon draw system there. And so, uh, you hunting Nevada last year, like, uh, you're in the process of finding these areas and finding these states, you know, so, uh, you probably have it like a pretty solid application strategy you're using. Oh man, and I, um, I sometimes when I'm talking to my hunting buddies, I don't like to to say this, but I actually did pretty good in school. <laughs> so these these uh, uh, draw systems, I love nerding out on the spreadsheets and the kind of math that goes behind them. And uh, I also love this is this is something that people I don't think use enough is like the game and fish agencies and pretty much every western state that I've looked at put out some great information about buck to doe ratios and harvest numbers and uh, population numbers and what what is happening with populations and so putting this whole picture together of draw odds with what's happening on the ground and how things are going year to year is so fun to me um and and like you said yeah i, I wrote the oregon mrs um you know and, and that's been fun to to dive into the entire state like my home state where i grew up um because uh there's a lot of areas that you know i maybe didn't haven't spent a ton of time in or have seen but then was able to go like put a put a uh uh some data to it and and understand what it's like from a hunting perspective and go like man that's a great opportunity there and like man what i haven't heard anybody talk about that you know and and uh like it's it's so fun to to go get those tags and then go ground truth it you know and uh i think part of it that that maybe we got used to was um and this is me looking back on maybe some some previous generations before me because I'm not too awful long uh, into this this game. Uh, but it seemed like back in the day that everyone was set dead set on getting like the best hunt. And like if you got the best hunt, 
that took the most amount of points that you're guaranteed, you know, the critter of a lifetime. Um, and gosh, it just seems like, you know, with as much demand for these hunts as there are, those things are hard to come by. Um, kind of like I mentioned, I, um, it's a long story, but I ended up with the landowner tag and a really good unit in Nevada this year. Um, as part of a different project, I didn't, I didn't buy the tag or anything, but it was a really good unit. We went and I saw just as many, you know, nice bucks there as I did in, in my hometown, um, you know, where I could scout and stuff. And I just think that, you know, if you're looking for a critter of a lifetime, you should put it together a lifetime of hunting so you can find it. <laughs> Cause otherwise if you're waiting for 20 years and you only get to go on, uh, you know, these premium hunts a couple times, uh, man, I don't, I don't know that a, a critter of a lifetime is guaranteed. Um, and so, yeah, I think that you know, putting together a really good strategy, uh, looking at all these different states, uh, and, and putting together a strategy that fits your style and, and your timelines is crucial. Um, I live in Wyoming, so I really have a ton of opportunities right here and I'm, I'm super fortunate in that. So I'm able to maybe look at one or maybe two hunts a year in other states. And that allows me to put together, you know, a, a four or five state plan of like, this is the rotation. So every four or five years, I'm hoping to get into these, these states again, um, at the maximum. Otherwise, you know, I'm trying to go there more often. Uh, and I think that that's something, you know, like that you seem to do a lot of is, is go back to these places or units or states that, um, you can go frequently and that have great potential, but you know, there's not going to be a giant buck around every tree, but gosh, there could be one, um, maybe not this year, but next year. Uh, and, and you, you know, I think you've proven over time that those, those units and guys like Brady Miller, um, are also super big into this and, and Robbie Denning and all of the, the kind of big buck guys that I I'm familiar with, uh, they just go back to these like, um, states and units that have great potential, but don't take a ton of points to get. And I think that, you know, we, we, kind of got wrapped up early on and trying to get the best tag instead of uh, making the most out of each tag and, and enjoying these adventures. So yeah, I, it's just, it's so fun to, to be looking and planning and, and looking at multi-year, uh, you know, plans. Like I just was opening my spreadsheets for, um, these upcoming years and I've got 23, 24 that I'm looking at now is like what my plans are and, and everything changes year to year, you know, more opportunities open up or uh, opportunities are reduced in some places. And uh, it's just, it, it's fun to be diving in and paying attention to it. And it's, I also think that if you're going to hunt out West, you have to pay attention to it now. Um, because otherwise, you know, like we just, we're talking before the podcast about how you sat on the Idaho game and fishes website, trying to get a, a, a tag of some sort over there. And, uh, you know, that's a whole new program that started in 2020, that people are now having to, to sit online and, and be number 10,486 or whatever, uh, trying to get one of these over the counter tags where those opportunities just a couple of years ago were, you know, you could pick them up right before season or in season even. Um, in 2018, I went and hunted in Idaho with my dad who was living there at the time. Um, and I picked the tag up in August and then we went, uh, elk hunting in September and that unit is sold out now. <laughs> so, uh, man, it's just, is so important. Um, and I think that, like you said, you, you're a really good, uh, role model to follow in that it seems like you're hunting these, these low point units, these places you can go frequently. Um, so you get a lifetime of hunting in, in order to get those, you know, critters of a lifetime instead of the other way around where you're just sitting on the sidelines and <laughs> hoping that one day it happens. That's exactly right, man. It's, um, 
Yeah, uh, just like you stated, um, you know, to to draw a really good tag, there's no guarantee for a good buck. It, it, it's not drawing a good tag. It's building the hunting skill set. It's a lifetime of work to build your hunting skill set to be able to show up in these places and turn up good bucks. And even these, these sought-after really good tags, man, they're tough. You get in there, and um, there's not big bucks around every tree. You find out that it's hunting just like anywhere else. And sure, it has great potential and maybe a few more numbers in other places, but if you haven't worked on your hunting skill set, and this is the um, the first time you've hunted mule deer in the last five years, I, I got news for you. You're probably not going to tag a big buck. Like, um, it's uh, it's really dedicating yourself to the craft and building the skill sets and then, you know, drawing these tags and turning up bucks. And then when you do turn up a good tag, like there's, you know, we all have our, our um, uh, you know, our strategy for drawing tags. And there's some states where I hold out for better tags and, you know, it's a long ways to travel and I've got other good places to hunt. So it's like, well, I'm just going to bide my time in this state and build some points and draw a really good tag. And when I draw that really good tag, then I've got the hunting skill set to go in there and I know what the potential is and I know what a good buck looks like. And I, you know, I've built all these skill sets to give myself a really good chance at killing, you know, one of these world-class deer in there, you know? So man, that's, that's totally it. It's such a, it is such a, a fun process. And I love also like how you mentioned, um, being good at school, being good at the, the research element of it and, and good at breaking down the information. And just like you said, man, this is the information day and age. And guys talk about the heyday for mule deer in the sixties and seventies. Well, you know, I, I wasn't around in the sixties and seventies. I don't get to experience <laughs> that. I got right now. And I think right now is the good old days of mule deer hunting. Like there's just a lot of opportunity out there. It's the information day and age. And like you say, the state agencies' websites have so much information. You know, these programs like the like the MRS or like Eastman's Tag Hub. Like I've used the MRS for years uh, just to learn about these different states and rifle tags and what are good units and what are sought after and comparing that to the bow season. But, but you have to be like a student of the game, like constantly learning about these states and these units and having ideas. And sometimes it just comes from um, – you know, conversations you have or like like information about a state or about a unit can come from anywhere. You can find it on the Internet. You can find it on forums. You you can find it on uh, Eastman's Tag Hub. You find there's all these different resources and to try to use all those to, to find your next place to hunt that fits your style of hunting, man. You're exactly right. It's like um, it's it's such a fun process. And, you know, right now uh, I've got to get back to work. I've had a heck of a hunting season, but I'm diving into the research of where I'm going to hunt next season and just like you said uh, uh, futures we and where am I going to hunt the year after that and um, it, it's fun to, to plan it out because there are so many great opportunities across the west if you just dive into it and the the common blue collar working class guy can go on these amazing adventures and you can do these out-of-state mule deer hunts like I do them for under a thousand dollars with all my gas all my food my tags everything I need you know and I can I can budget for that a year you know and I'm I'm fortunate where I get to hunt multiple different states but um, you know I, I think uh, if I can do it anybody can do it and the opportunities out there you just have to dive into the research and it is getting more popular but that just means we have to be more creative with the our process and finding these other areas because there's sleeper spots everywhere man I mean there's there's good mule deer in a lot of different places so man it's uh it's super fun i know you enjoy it as much as i do um i just wanted to talk real quick about um 
the work you're doing for the Wyoming Wildlife Federation, man. You guys are doing some amazing work for for all wildlife. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, we we uh, have been the hunting voice here in Wyoming since 1937, and uh, so we're the oldest sporting organization here. Um, and it, it's really fun to be able to work in this stuff uh, because you know, like we're obviously running around the West uh, chasing these critters, and and one of the things that you mentioned is you know everyone talks about uh, the good old days of yesterday uh, for for whatever species or whatever type of hunting, and gosh, you know, like some of the things that I think we can do now is is try to create more good old days gosh there's never been a better time to hunt whitetails or elk out west for sure <laughs> you know like those populations are doing so well and and so like the federation does a, it does a good job of um trying to advocate for um you know more habitat and for uh things that that we can do to to kind of improve the hunting opportunities and hunting experiences in wyoming and um yeah it's it, like you said it's, it's really fun to be in, involved in this process and and on on top of that, you know, as as much as we were just talking about, everybody can go on the Game and Fish's websites and find this information. Everyone can go on the Game and Fish websites and um, be involved in the process of setting seasons and telling people that you want more late season tags or you want shorter seasons or whatever the case is that you you, you want to advocate for. And I think a lot of times we as hunters forget that we, we've got a voice in this thing because uh, the way that our whole North American model of wildlife management works is these wildlife are managed for the people um and largely for the people of the states but uh you have a voice you know and in, in, in how that these things uh shake out so um yeah that thanks for bringing that up we we are really excited about um like this upcoming legislative session trying to get um trying to get some good bills passed so that we can have better habitat and, and knock down some of the invasive species like cheatgrass in the state and do 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 work like that that ends up with more bucks on the mountain um or more elk or more wild sheep you know whatever the case is um so yeah no if anyone wants to check us out at uh, wyoming wildlife federation I, i'd really appreciate it we've got a lot of cool stuff going on over there yeah, definitely will. Yeah, um, man, and I just love to see Wyoming a little bit nicer to bow hunters and and uh, a little bit nicer <laughs> to non-residents. But uh, that's my own personal wish list. But like you say, we can we can voice that. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to have like a uh, you know a, like a split bow season over there. You know, it's like. Um, you know, I, I get it. Uh, these states, we also have to watch out for our residents. And um, living in these western states, you don't make as much money as some other states. And so, uh, like, you're sacrificing to be there. And part of that sacrifice is is that you get good outdoor opportunities. So I get it. Montana looks out for their residents as well. But, um, man, it just um, – uh, it, it definitely tempts me with uh, some of the units you guys get to hunt year in, year out that uh, I have to wait five to seven years to hunt, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah. th- that's my own personal wish list. But, yeah, man, you guys are doing amazing work. And um, and uh, gosh, I um, I really enjoyed talking to you, Jaden. Like um, what a great conversation. Like uh, you just uh, uh, were cut from the same cloth or fell from the same tree, like just um, love mule deer and the country they live in. And um, so they, the Wyoming Wildlife Federation couldn't have a better spokesperson and um, a better guy working for them. So thanks for everything you do for them. And Wyoming does have amazing wildlife management. Like uh, you guys have um, – 
you guys have done it right for sure. And uh, you're looking out for the better of the species. And I love to see that. And um, definitely one of the, the, the best Western management practices out there um, as far as states. So um, thanks for everything you do, man. And thanks for jumping on the podcast. We got to do this again. Like I find, oh, yeah. uh, you know, these guests that I really connect with and, um, it seems like we only scratched the surface on an hour plus long podcast. And, uh, I feel like that was the case today. I feel like, uh, we could do a whole day of podcasts. Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. I, I'd love to chat with you. And every time I listen to your podcast, I get stoked. And so just sitting here talking with you, I'm even more pumped. You know, it's like got me all fired up. I've got to go. I, I actually just was like, oh, God, I wrote down the note. I got to pull up my hunting plans for next year so that I could go, you know, revise some things and look how much of that stuff. So, yeah, I, I like you said, this is the stuff that, that inspires and motivates. And I just I love talking with guys like you. So thanks for all that you do, too. It, it's uh, it's really fun to. Uh, uh, sit down and talk with like-minded folks like yourself so thank you again for having me on and and uh thanks to all the eastman folks out there who uh are putting out some really good information um and and helping us go have these hunts man it's what it what it's what fuels the soul and uh it's it's really important that um uh, that that guys like you are doing the work you do well thanks so much yeah i couldn't have said it yeah. better it's what fuels the soul and um Man, Jaden, you're a, a, a stud, and thanks for sharing so much information on here. And, um, man, let's keep in touch. Yeah, you bet, Brian. All right, thanks, man. Okay, thank you. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, great podcast with Jaden. I really enjoyed that one. There's a bunch of gems in that podcast. Um, just the approach to hunting and critical thinking and uh, attitude, and uh, there's just so much that, that plays a role in being a consistently successful bow hunter. It's so difficult that it it takes a total commitment, but you know we're just the fortunate ones. We're the we're the guys that have passion in our life and something that excites us and keeps us working hard and something to look forward to. And um, it's life doesn't last forever, you know. It's um uh it it's limited our time here, and and um we better make the most of it. You know, I heard a statistic the other day. It was talking about nine months is one percent of your life. It's like that goes by in a blink of the eye. So we got to try to get the most out of this life, and um, we're just lucky the hand we've been dealt that, um, you know, that, that the majority of us have our health and, um, uh, you know, have the, the means to be able to hunt however much that is, whether it's a week, a year, or a month, a year, or whatever the case is, but uh, to be able to do the things that we that we love to do. And, um, yeah, I'm fortunate for my family and everything that I have, so um, just trying to make the most out of this life and, um, pack as much fun in as I can and enjoyment and, um, um, help buddies and family. I mean, um, it's just what life's all about, but thanks again to Jaden for that podcast. Definitely won't be the last man. He killed it on that podcast. I really enjoyed that one. So, um, thanks to him and thanks to you guys for the support and subscribing to the podcast and the shares on social media. Like, um, I, that really means a lot to me. I, I really appreciate it. Like, um, it's um it, it's tough to to grow a podcast especially you know don't don't have a, a a big name or a you know like just started this thing in my basement and sure partnered with Eastman's which helps but if I don't put out great content you guys won't listen to it you know so to to be able to share this with your buddies and and push it like uh, all this growth we've done through the podcast is all organic and I'm really proud of that so uh, thanks to you guys for that and um yeah just try to show you guys support uh when i when i see you being successful or uh, you guys share with me i just um i think it's so awesome to be able to share in that so 
Um, super cool. Well, with that, um, I better get my stuff together. I got to get out for a run today and get this podcast out to you guys or ready to get out to you guys while I'm gone and um, get my stuff packed up and go soak in some sunshine. So um, with that, I'll check in with you guys next week. Um, thanks again to our sponsor for today's show, uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, again, you can put in the code Brian and um, get a discount there. You just got to go to the Eastman's landing page. So Black Rifle Coffee Company backslash backs. It's not backsplash. Uh, oh my gosh, I, my brain. I'm re- <laughs> I'm having issues today for sure. Um, backslash. That's what it is. Oh jeez, I'm losing my mind. All right, backslash Eastman's and then put in the promo code Brian. You get a discount on that coffee. So um, hopefully it'll make you think a little bit quicker than I do. So uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it and uh, check in with you next week. <laughs>